Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. And it's just, it's just where I think I want us to go today. And it's literally the, the seven sayings from Jesus Christ while he's on the cross. Like, like you know, we talk about last words, right? And if you've ever had the opportunity to, to read famous last words, they're actually pretty humorous, but if you've ever had a loved one in your life that's passed away and you're taking that moment to go and to spend those last few moments with them and, and they have this like final moment where they're like, you know, wanting to, wanting to like last words to tell you something, you know, it, you know, it could be amazing. You know, there's actually a story of a, of a gentleman that was sitting in his hospital and a guy went to visit him, it was his son and it was his father. And he kept trying to speak to him these last words. And he kept saying, move, move. And his son's like, wow, my dad's wanting me to move. And he can't listen. He finally writes it down on a piece of paper. And he gets the piece of paper. And he said, move, you're standing on my oxygen line. And so, but uh, it's, well, your last words can be powerful, right? You know, it means a lot of different things. Well, here is, here is Jesus's last words. He has seven sayings from the cross. And in each one of those sayings, it's going to tell you a whole lot about the cross. And I want us to to talk about this because I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about the empty tomb. We're not, like like the cross is a powerful moment because there's a tomb that's coming that's empty. But the first one is in Luke. Luke, you say, how far are we going? We're going to get as far as we can. And if, if, we, if this gets long, I'm just going to hit a pause button, all right? But listen to me. Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 32, and you're going to see the words when it shows up in verse 34. Two others, referring to some criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, we call Golgotha, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And then listen, here's the first thing that Jesus said on the cross. One of seven phrases. First thing he said, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do you know a great starting point of the cross is to realize the spirit of forgiveness that was on the cross from the very beginning? Now, I don't mean this rude, but but if you guys falsely accuse me, you take me over to some prison that has an electric chair, you strap me up and getting ready to, to be executed. And you're laughing and you're cutting and you beat me. You put a thorns on me. You spat on me. You've hit me. Like, I love you to death, but at that point, I'd be, I don't love you. Let me just be, I ain't going to love you at all. I'm going to be like, Lord, you get them. Get every one of them. Like, strike them down. Did you see the way they treated me? Like, he's a bunch of idiots. Like, I didn't do anything. But Jesus didn't do that. He literally... On the cross, after being beaten, after being sped on, after going through everything that was the, 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 the sham, the greatest hoax ever, for all you political people, I promise, what you've seen recently ain't the greatest witch hunt ever created. Jesus and what they did to him was an absolute sham. And yet when he was on that cross, and, and, and to give you a little bit of understanding of the, of the cross, the reason why these sayings 
are so important is because crucifixion was, was very much uh, perfected by the Romans. It had existed before then, but, but Romans, in typical Roman fashion, they would perfect something. And, and the way they would have this set up is, is you'd be on this, this, this cross, and your legs would be crossed over, and they would drive a, a nail through your bones of your feet, and then they would draw, draw, uh, drive nails through your wrist, actually. It's right below, not really your wrist, but it's right between here where this little fatty part is. And that's what would hold you on the cross. And, and there would be a little concept that when you wanted to take a breath, you would lift up and all that pressure would be on your feet and you'd take a breath and then you'd exhale. Because if you've ever done chin-ups or you ever done pull-ups, uh, I think I did one back in 1983, uh, and it's well say if you hang there, you'll realize you can't really take a deep breath because everything that's on your diaphragm. Well, here's another thing. Try to speak without breathing. You can't do it. Now, a lot of you men, that's not a reason to pray for your wife to stop, you know, just we want everybody to breathe, okay? But it's one of those things that, so with him to take a moment to, to say something, this wasn't just like, hey, I'm just on the cross and I just, like it was painful, it was effort. And when he took time to make that effort, you know what he said? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, now let me help you for a moment. If Jesus was looking at the people that had beaten him, had hung him on the cross, had spat on him, had falsely accused him, and yet he extended forgiveness to them, why do you think you've done something that he can't cover? Like the first concept of his words is the aspect of simple forgiveness. Like there is nothing that you could have done or are going to do that Jesus is not still saying, you know what? Man, I, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Like if he has forgiveness towards the people that put him there, I promise his grace is sufficient for you. This is one of the issues when people wanna start talking about God's word and talk about the aspect that it's for an elect group or a certain group, I challenge them with this scripture. Like God said, you know, Lord, forgive, forgive all of them. Not just, oh, forgive that one that's a little bit emotional in the front because he knows I shouldn't be here. No, he said, Lord, forgive all of them for they just simply don't know what they do. So listen to me. A part of your forgiveness in life that comes from the cross is the fact that you just gotta realize that you don't know everything. That makes you human. And because you don't know everything, guess what? God said, I'm gonna forgive you for that. That doesn't mean we leverage our ignorance to be repetitive in sinful behavior, but we allow God's grace to allow us to get forgiveness. That's just his first. The second thing he says, if we keep going, which is my favorite saying, is he turns around in verse the very next verse, he says, and they cast it lots to divide his garments. And you're gonna see when I get to the verse with his words. Verse 35, and the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself. And if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription above him. This is the king of the Jews. And then one of the criminals who were hanging 
railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, listen to these words, do you not fear God? Remember last week, you can go back to the podcast, we talked about the fear of God. It has the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. But this other criminal says, dude, do you not even fear God? Like, Barabbas is wanting him to save yourself and us. Like the reality is Barabbas could care less if, if he was the Messiah. Barabbas could care less if he's gonna save himself. Barabbas was at his last wits and ends just saying, hey, save yourself and you gotta save us too. But then the other one, listen to him. He says, do you not fear God since you under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are, we are indeed getting this justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then here you go, you ready? The second saying of Jesus from the cross. The first was, Father, forgive them, they know not what to do. The second one comes in the very next verse, verse 43. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, the, the word that's there is, is the aspect of salvation, right? But the hope that we get is, is just like in the first that we know there's no concept of anything we've ever done that, that's too ugly that God's not gonna forgive us. If God's gonna forgive the people that crucified him, I promise there's nothing you're gonna do that's beyond his forgiveness. The second concept is that, you know what? If, if he can save a thief on the cross on his dying breath, it's never too late for you or me. It's never too late. If you have somebody in your family that you've been praying for a while, listen to me, just keep praying because it's never too late. But I started, you know, this one I get intrigued with because growing up in, in, in church culture that I did and going to, to college and then seminary and, you know, they, they kind of had this, evangelical tool where you would go out and talk to people, trying to ask them spiritual questions and hopefully make them start dwelling on things that are eternal. And one of the questions you would ask with this, this method called evangelism explosion, which was a guy down at, at a Presbyterian church that's uh, Coral Ridge that's out in Fort Lauderdale. And he'd say, you try to get them to the point where you'd ask them a question, hey, if, if you were to die today, would, would you spend eternity in heaven? And then they would get you to ask this other question of these complete strangers, which I'm not saying I agree or disagree. I just am not going to do this. But you would ask them, well, if you were to die and face God today, and he was to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you tell him? Now, just so you'll know, I'm a pastor that wants you to have the right answer. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. The answer is Jesus. But boy, don't you know that this old boy on the cross where Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise, and then he dies. And don't you know in heaven, there was like a fire alarm going off. Like, what do we do with this guy? Hey, man, why should I let you into heaven? Man, I, I don't know, man. I just, that was, man, I don't know what's going on. Well, what do you, what do you believe about God's word? I, 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 don't, I don't know God's word. What do you believe about the doctrine of sanctification? At the, the, the what? Of the who? And I imagine, and this is just my own interpretation, but I imagine 
that that, that that thief on the cross said, listen, here's all I can tell you. The guy in the middle said I could be here. Tell me why. I, the, the dude in the middle. What's his name? Dude. And he just had a relationship. And even though it was his dying breath, he still had a realization of who God was and what Jesus done. Listen, here's the point. The point is, no matter where you're at, no matter where I'm at, no matter where our loved ones are, no matter where our friends are, no matter where our enemies are, God is still in the business of restoring people and bringing them back to him if they will simply repent and turn away from their sins. And on this cross, it was as simple as, why are you, why are you messing with him? We're up here because we did something wrong. This guy has done nothing wrong. He's acknowledging that Jesus is who he says that he is. And all he says is what? Listen to these words. I wanna make sure you don't miss this. Listen to the way he calls him. And he said to him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus' second words was what? Truly, I say to you, this day, you will be with me in paradise. A lot of people want to try to question, and, and the thief on the cross really messes up a lot of people with their theology, and it shouldn't because it shows the power of God. And it shows his love for people and how that he doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care if you're in a jail cell or if you grew up actively serving in your church, that the same God is in the process of, of restoring people if they will acknowledge him and repent and turn away. So in the first two of the seven sayings, right? The first two of the seven sayings, he said, listen, my forgiveness is enough. And it's never too late to accept that forgiveness. Well, then he goes on to a third phrase. A third phrase. And we're going to actually jump, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to jump to John, John chapter 19. So you're in Luke. John's one of the four Gospels. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So jump over one to John chapter 19. And it's this phrase. When Jesus saw his, mother's, his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciples took her to his home. The third thing that Jesus see, says from the cross, the first, he's talking about, Lord, forgive them for they know what to do. Second, he tells a thief, hey, truly, truly, I say to you, this day you'll be with me in paradise. The third thing is he still, even, in his, even as he's approaching his dying breath, he's consumed with relationships and taking care of people. He looks at his mother and he looks at the disciples and he basically says, hey, listen, this is your sons. Sons, this is now your mother. And it's the concept of, of relationships matter. 
In fact, I wanna kind of put this in a little nutshell. Listen to me. The first three of the seven things that Jesus says is he wants us to know that in his dying breaths on the cross, now I know this isn't his last words, his last words before he transcends, we'll talk about that on a different day, but as far as on the cross, he's focused on forgiveness, he's focused on those never too late, and he's focusing on the fact that, you know what, and your relationships matter. In fact, if we think about the greatest commandment, you know, they were having an argument, right, the disciples, and they're, you go, God, tell us what the greatest commandment is. And he says, love your God with all your heart, mind, body, and strength. And he says, oh, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said on these two things, the laws of the prophet hinge. Do you know that even on the cross, Jesus was still consumed with these two commandments? He was still consumed with loving his father. He was still consumed with serving his people. And he still was consumed with setting up right relationships. In fact, if you're okay with it, I'm gonna hit a pause button. You say, Mickey, you got four more sayings. We'll get to them next week. You say, Mickey, we're a little bit early. Hey, never got in trouble for that one. (laughs) But I think before we can truly grasp the last four of his sayings, we gotta really understand these first three. Like, I, I, w- I want you to listen to me. No matter where you're at in life, no matter what's going on, no matter what you're dealing with, listen to me. God's son on the cross is enough for your life. It's enough. You say, well, Mickey, I don't feel like it's enough. Well, praise Jesus, your feelings do not dictate his theology. Like, I'm just telling you the truth. The truth is, no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, no matter where you're going, Jesus' death on the cross was enough. The second is that, and it's still not too late for you. You say, Mickey, you don't understand. I I mean, I've prayed to receive Jesus. I just, I keep sliding back into this thing. Like, I'll I'll go a couple, three days, I'll do real good. And then this one thing keeps popping up. I've even gotten real good. I've gotten to three or four months. I've gotten to a couple of years. I've gotten to three to five years. But I just, this one thing keeps, listen to me. Take a deep breath. Congratulations, you're human. And you're sitting in a room with a bunch of humans that need to every day wake up and cultivate the presence of God in our lives because in his presence comes repentance and change. You say, oh, Mickey, I bet being a pastor and doing what you do, you you probably don't have a whole lot of struggles. (laughs) Yeah, I do. You say, what are they? I ain't telling you. (laughs) Why? Because you know how people use stuff against you? Yes, they do, don't they? You say, that's a different message for a different day. Number one, those people that use stuff against you, change those people. They're the wrong people. That's free of charge. But two, that's why God calls it a personal relationship with him. I'm not talking about not having accountability. 
I'm not talking about not building relationships. I'm not talking about moving forward and, and, and not enhancing our lives with people. I'm talking about living a life of repentance and not waiting for a day. I'm gonna tell you a very, very, very brief testimony. I went through some years in my teenage years that I, I just made some poor decisions. And the reason why I made these poor decisions is number one, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, which is kind of a big deal. Like one of the things, give you a little bit of freedom, quit expecting people that don't know God to act like they do. Just like quit accepting people that do know God to act like they don't. Like we need to separate those two things. But for my issue, one of my things was I was kind of going through some stuff and, and literally in my mind, you know what I thought? T.F., I thought, you know what? I, when I get older, when I, when I get older, I, I'm gonna make these things right. But right now, I just got some, man, it, like my life just, it, it stank. It didn't stink, it was past stink. It was to the stank stage. But I was like, but one day, one day, you know, by the grace of the God, praise the Lord, he allowed me to get to one day. But can I tell you, that's a dangerous game. You had two thieves on a cross. One got to that day. One is burning in hell because he never got to that day. I would encourage you not to play that game. And then the last thing is, and it's time to, to turn up the dial on your relationships. I believe that Jesus is still saying, hey, church, this community, those are my people. And I want you to go take care of them just like I took care of you. And you're gonna bring about change in their life, not because of something that you have, but because of something that I have in you. In fact, in a couple of weeks, despite everything that goes on in our culture, you're gonna have people you've never seen show up. And they call it Easter. And when they show up, what are you gonna give them? A nose looking down saying what they've done wrong or a hand extended to pick them up saying, hey, listen, it's gonna be okay. See, like those first three sayings, you know what they're centered around? Love. And I just want to encourage us to fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with his people. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give or text CRCC with your dollar amount to 73256. Once again, thanks for listening.